I saw a story from a Christmas Eve service a few years ago where the pastor, I imagine in an effort to relate to younger people in the crowd, accidentally spoiled the brand new Star Wars movie that had just come out a couple of weeks prior. The funniest thing about that, about the story as it was recounted, was not the pastor uh, uh, spoiling the movie, but was actually a young man in the crowd who by all appearances, was there against his will, which is probably the case with some of us uh, gathered tonight. I know that was a story with me on holidays growing up. But this young man who responded in, in just an exasperated state like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Little did he think that Star Wars that he was probably waiting to see would be spoiled at Christmas Eve service. Well, I assure you, Star Wars is not going to be spoiled. No movies will be spoiled tonight in our message. Pastors have a, have a low bar when it comes to Christmas Eve, do we not? Don't make any blunders. Get the thing over by seven. Visit the baby Jesus. Bada bing, bada boom. In and out. Have a Merry Christmas. Well, I can promise you two out of those three. No blunders. Get out by seven. But we're not just going to look at the baby Jesus. We're actually going to see the baby Jesus and then the ruler or the king that he is and that he will be when he comes again. And what I'm going to put before you from Micah chapter 5 is that Jesus who has come will come again and he will be our peace. Let me say that again. Jesus who has come will come again, and he will be our peace. You may think that the Old Testament book of Micah is a strange place to go on Christmas Eve. It's in a not very high-trafficked part of the Old Testament. It actually serves largely as a prophecy of judgment from God upon his people. And so you take those things to heart, or, or take those things in your mind, and you say, yeah, that is a strange place to go on Christmas Eve. But I think as we walk through this, you will understand, and you will, by God's grace, see the glory of Jesus as presented in Micah chapter 5. Here's what's happening in Old Testament Israel in the days of Micah the prophet. Business and the economy, they were humming along. There was no serious fear of recession around the corner. No fear of economic downturn. The people of Israel, they were also free from strife or from conflict with neighboring nations. There was not a war that was outside their borders. There were no supply chain issues. No breathtakingly high energy bills that, that perplexed them or kept them up at night as they tried to make finances come together each month. In fact, for the people of Israel, everything seemed well. Yet what we see in Micah is that as they drank the wine of peace and prosperity, they did not realize it, but they were poisoning themselves on their hypocrisy. The rich were oppressing the poor. Bribery and extortion were commonplace in government and in business. Even priests and religious leaders were given over to corruption. 
So throughout Micah, you see this continual refrain of God telling His people that they may have one another fooled, they may have themselves fooled, but they do not have Him fooled. Now lest we believe that God is some sort of cosmic killjoy looking to wipe all the smiles off of, his, off of the faces of His people, we find in Micah 5 a promise in the midst of prophecy of judgment, we find a promise of peace through a baby who would be born. Look at how verses 2 and 3 of Micah 5 prophesy the unexpected coming of a baby. You see this in your bulletin. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me the one, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. So you have this prophecy of an unexpected baby who would come from an unexpected town, Bethlehem. But read on with me about what would come of this baby in verses 4 and 5. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Do you see how Micah moves from the baby born in Bethlehem to a king who would be the joy of his people's hearts and would be their everlasting peace? Do you see that in the text? Do you see that it, it is... Too small of a thing for the baby who has come to simply be cute and an excuse to light candles and sing songs. That King Jesus, what Micah is telling you and I, is that He is the peace that your heart craves. And in Micah 5, He is standing right before each one of us. Consider this illustration. I recently saw an interview with Roger Federer. If you're not familiar who Roger Federer is, he is perhaps the greatest tennis player that has ever lived. And he was recounting how he recently visited uh, Wimbledon, which is a tennis and, uh, I guess, social club uh, in, right in the heart of London. And uh, they host at Wimbledon a world-famous, prestigious tennis tournament every summer. And Federer has won Wimbledon eight times. And with a win at Wimbledon, uh, the winner is given, amongst the many spoils of winning Wimbledon, one of the things the winner is given is membership at the club. So one time, Roger Federer is traveling through London, he and I think it was his agent or his coach, and he's, they had a few hours to kill before they needed to hop on a flight. So he said, well, let's stop at Wimbledon and get tea. So they pull up to the gate there at Wimbledon, and a security guard comes out, and uh, Roger Federer says, hey, I'm would like to come in for tea. The security guard looks at him and says, well, sir, do you, do you have your membership card? He says, well, no, I was traveling. I didn't know I would need it. And truth be told, I honestly don't even know where it is. But would it be okay if we came in for tea? The security guard says, oh, no, 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 no. I cannot let you in without seeing your membership card. Federer is kind of taken aback by this. And, and he is a genuinely lovely, kind gentleman. But he starts to kind of become like, Really, you're not letting me in? He says, are you familiar with the tournament that you guys host every summer? I have won this thing eight times. 
And you say, well, I'm sorry, sir, but we cannot let you in without your membership card. So Federer decides, well, I'm going to go try another entrance. I'll try another gate into the club. So he goes around and he finds another gate. And as he's getting out and he starts to talk to a security guard, a tourist who's walking by on the sidewalk sees and recognizes Federer and says, oh, Roger Federer at Wimbledon. What are the chances? Uh, Mr. Federer, can I have a selfie with you? And trying to prove who he is to these security guards, he says, well, well, sure, yes, I am Roger Federer. Let's take that selfie. And so they take the picture together, and Federer thinks, okay, this will help. And so he turns around to this next security guard and says, excuse me, can I get into the club? Well, of course you can. Just show me your membership card. Eventually, somebody on security came to their senses and realized who it was that was trying to get in. But this serves, for as humorous humorous as it is, it serves as an illustration for us of the possibility that Jesus is standing right before you in God's Word, in Micah 5. And perhaps you don't see Him because you fail, you, you have expectations for who you think He should be while you are blinded to who He is. Here's what I mean. Most people don't have a problem with Jesus if he would feed the hungry, if he would kill, uh, not kill the sick, heal the sick. Forgive me there. If he would feed the hungry, heal the sick, confront injustice, and be on call to pray to whenever we find ourselves in a bind that we can't get out of. But this Jesus who has come, what Micah is showing us is he has not come just to address all the trouble outside there. But he has come to address, actually, primarily, the trouble inside here. Remember, Micah was addressing a people who believed God to be largely insignificant, of little value. And this is what the Bible calls sin. Sin is anything that comes from our heart that does not believe God or find Him worthy of our love, of our trust, of our devotion. In our sin, we are content to give God lip service while, in fact, our hearts recoil at the notion of surrendering control of our lives to Him. And so here's how you understand the fullness of Christmas. Jesus came to address our sin. He came to address our hard-heartedness. He came to address this rebellion of disinterest in God that we have. And ultimately, He atoned for our sin on His cross, And in his resurrection, he triumphed over death. And now he offers new birth and the promise of his everlasting peace to all who will repent of their sin and follow him. I don't know if this is the message that you expected to hear this Christmas Eve. But as you hear it, perhaps it has stirred something in you that you've thought maybe there is something to that. Or maybe some of these dots of Christianity, they're starting to connect in my mind. If that is the case, whether it's after our service this evening, or maybe you email me and we set up a time to chat. My email is just right on the bulletin that you received. I would love to chat with you further about these claims of Christianity and what it means to follow Christ. You see, for us who are Christians, the beautiful hope of Christmas is that we not only look back at our Savior who has come, but we look forward to the King who will return. Perhaps, dear Christian, your heart this evening would be comforted by this reminder that you will dwell secure in the grace of King Jesus. Look again at verse 4 and 5. Each of us, look at this. Look at this king, this ruler. 
This one who came as a baby, but now he is this, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Here's the thing about the human heart. Our hearts have the ability to yearn for the infinite reaches of love, of peace, of prosperity. We seek security. We seek purpose for life. So we chase that with our relationships, with our academic or professional pursuits. We chase it with pleasure. We chase it with travel. We chase it with leisure. We believe that all of our dreams will come true if our political aims would come to fruition. Whatever it is our hearts chase, the only thing that we cannot deny is that our hearts chase them full speed. And yet, what we find continually, time and time again, as part of the human condition, is that what we think will be the water that nourishes this great thirst of our souls, we find ourselves thirsty again and again and again. Perhaps this illustration will help. Last winter, I caught COVID and I lost my sense of taste and smell for a few weeks. Thankfully, they came back. But carbonated beverages still just taste very funny to me. They have a very, everything tastes like the worst diet soda you can imagine. And I will find still, I, I, I used to love Dr. Pepper. And I will find still to this day, maybe I'm sitting down to watch a Patriots game and Man, I would love a Dr. Pepper, right? or maybe you need a stronger drink right now with the Pats, but that's another thing. But um, I will find that I, I yearn for a Dr. Pepper. Something in me is like, oh, that, that is what your, your taste buds are, 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 are desiring. And yet I'll start to taste it. And it's like, nope, that's not it. There is a thirst that exists within me that these drinks do not quench. And that is the condition of our hearts apart from knowing God through Jesus Christ. You see, what Jesus tells us is that he came that he might be the living water that would satisfy those great thirsts of our souls. And as you realize this, when you come to that realization, that all of these things my heart yearns for, I can find their fulfillment in him. When you realize that, then you will realize and understand what Christmas is really about. Jesus, who will come again, offers you living water. And he shows us that Jesus, who has come, he will come again, and he will be our peace. Just listen to this as we conclude. Verses 4 and 5 again. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace.